Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Jesus has a way of turning a crowd into a community. Did you know that? I want to talk to you about that today. Uh, One of the dangers for so many of us is we get lost in the crowd in our lives. We get lost in the crowd. This is Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday before Easter. It's the Sunday where Jesus walks into Jerusalem against his disciples' wishes because they knew Jerusalem was one of the most dangerous places for Jesus to be at that time in his life. But before Jesus stepped into that danger, he stepped into an unexpected moment called the triumphal entry. And this is the moment we know where the crowds gathered around and they celebrated Jesus. They declared him a king. They declared him a deliverer. This is the moment we would long to have for ourselves. That moment where people finally see us. He stepped into this unexpected moment that probably we desire. In fact, we live in a nation that is so driven by the applause, right? We see this. So oftentimes, the applause can throw us off in our lives. So oftentimes, we can lose our cause because of the applause. And I want us to step into this moment with Jesus today, and I want us to look at this and how profound this is. As Jesus walks into this moment, into the triumphal entry, and we are going to be able to see through him and how we can live our life in such a way that we do not get lost in the crowd. There are many people that are lost in the crowd of life. And today the key is that you and I would live our life in such a way where we do not get lost in the crowd. Matthew chapter 21 verses 1 and following, and it says this, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. If we were writing a a story of a great hero Telling an epic tale, this would seem to be the most culminating moment, especially in the life of Jesus. This was the moment where Jesus was celebrating. It was his triumphal entry. It was the moment they declared him to be their king and their deliverer. And if you know the story, this becomes the moment where everything begins to shift for Jesus. 
as if this is the highest point in Jesus' story. Everything after this then becomes dark and grim. And I wondered as I was reading this, and you've read this many times as well, in this moment, what was it like for Jesus to be in this moment where he is being celebrated, where the crowds are, are drawn to him, where really at this moment they get to see the clarity of who Jesus is. They see him. What was it like when Jesus heard the applause of the masses knowing he had to walk through the crowd and then stand alone for the crowd in just a moment. Because in this moment, Jesus decided to abandon our applause so he would not abandon us. And it's in this moment, Jesus had every temptation and every opportunity to be celebrated without sacrifice. And, and I wonder how many times in our lives today, we've thought about our best moments, where the moments... Where we're just where everyone was celebrating us. In fact, how many times do we measure our success and our value and our importance and our significance because other people are telling us that we're just awesome? When other people are celebrating us, and I wonder how many times in our life that we actually relented, stepping into our purpose and into our intention, stepping into that moment that would actually matter for us because we stepped in a moment that's easier for us. It's been a moment of comfort for us because this moment was Jesus' easiest moment, but it was not his most significant one. Yet Jesus was able to step through this moment to the moment that will change everything forever. And today I want you to think about a few things with me. If you want to make sure that you don't get lost in the crowd, because I'm talking to a crowd of people today, and there are some of you that are here, you're lost in the crowd. You're lost in the crowd. And all you think of yourself is just to be another person in the crowd. First of all, you need to know who you are. It's not incidental that the end of the story, and I love starting at the end, verse 10 says, is when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. I mean, I love that language, don't you? The whole city was stirred. I mean, I love that imagery that comes to mind. The whole city was stirred. Wow. Reminds me of Lion King. Mufasa. <laughs> right? Jesus enters Jerusalem, and everyone is stirred, right? No one knows why they're stirred. They're just stirred. The crowds are gathering around, and they know something is happening. They know it is. Who is this? Who is this? You know, it kind of sounds like Hollywood, doesn't it? You know, first time I was in Hollywood was about 20-some years ago, and I was with a friend in ministry, and it was a red carpet moment for Finding Nemo. I mean, we're just walking around Hollywood, and we come up, and here's this red carpet. And we're like, wow, this is kind of crazy. I've never been to one of these before because I don't live here. There's a red carpet moment. And what happens is in that moment, there's so many people that the crowd begins to shift. And you're like, you don't even know why it's shifting, but you're going to follow the crowd, right? You've been there, right? Right. Wait, 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 it's going over here. What's going on over here? I don't know. I can't even see. Who do you see? I don't even know. But here we go. We're going to shift with the crowd, right? Who is it? I don't know. But the crowd lets you know that there's somebody on the other side that you need to be aware of. And Jesus is surrounded by the crowds and the city is stirred at this moment. And people ask you, who is this? The crowd, you understand, they have an answer. Interesting, the crowd didn't let Jesus answer. They said, this is Jesus. And they almost got it right. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth, 
in Galilee. Everything they said was absolutely true there. See, he was the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And if the story ended here, if this was Jesus' last choice, his last will, that's all that he would have ever become. If the story of Jesus ended in the triumphal entry, Jesus would remain Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee, but the world did not need Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The world needed Jesus who would come to save the world from their sin. Amen? That's what we needed. See, what the world needed was not Jesus who entered Jerusalem in the triumphal entry. They needed Jesus who would walk down Calvary to the cross. And I think this is the great danger for every single one of us today, here in person, online, in Clearbrook. The danger for us is accepting a lesser definition of who we are. Because the definition others give to us gives us the acceptance and the praise that we absolutely long for. I wonder if you're here today and you're lost in the crowd and because you've spent your whole life for the affirmation and the adoration and the acceptance of others. There are some here who have no idea who you are because you've spent your whole life trying to be who everyone else wants you to be or who you think everyone wants you to be. You've spent your life morphing and shifting and changing, and it's almost as if in your life it's just a house of mirrors, and all you know about yourself is a reflection of what you see through other people's eyes. But your soul is hollow and empty, and you don't know who you are today. And you and I need to be careful in these moments, because if you don't know who you are in the middle of the crowd, you're going to get lost You must be this, be who everyone needs you to be, not who everyone wants you to be. And the only way you will ever do that is when you understand and you become what God has created you to be. And I think it's part of the human dilemma, right? Like, who am I? Like, you know, and what's going on in you? I remember one time I was driving down I-81 from Winchester to Stephen City, and Kristen called me on my phone and said, where are you? I said, well, that's one thing I don't think I'm really sure of right now. Where am I? Because I'm in a constant state of motion, right? So I, I, I can't tell you because I'm constantly moving. That kind of sounds so cool, doesn't it, right? She's like, just tell me where you are, right? I'm on 81. I'm almost to Stephen City, right? For many of us, we're trying to figure out who we are, but maybe you don't know who you are because you don't know who you were and who you're becoming. So who are you today? Who are you? Maybe more importantly, who are you becoming? Who you are is what you're becoming. I want you to understand that. Who you are is what you're becoming. You and I are not static. We are not stationary. You cannot see who I am if you cannot see who I am becoming. Because who I am is not who I was. Who I am is who I'm becoming. And the same thing is with you. If you keep living your life trying to become who everyone wants you to be, you'll never become who God created you to be. Maybe you're lost in the crowd because you've lost yourself. Because a lot of people this last year have lost themselves. They've lost themselves. The pieces of people trying to pick up the story of their life that's been shattered. You know, one of the most painful things in the world 
is to spend so much time and so much energy becoming what you thought someone else wanted you to be so that you could try to earn their love. And when you work so hard to become that it's still not enough and they still walked away from you. I think that's why God does this the way he does in the story of his son Jesus and what God has offered us that is so absurd, and it is absolutely, you got to understand this, it's absolutely terrible negotiating skills, that's for sure, because he didn't leverage anything in his direction absolutely at all. He said, what I'm going to do is, is, is I'm, I'm going to pay the complete price for your freedom and for your forgiveness, and I'm going to do everything necessary for you, and, and I'm going to do it through and to you, and, and you may not even t- totally understand that. And even if you never ask me to, and even if you never see, I'm still going to give it to you. And, but, but if you receive it, I, I'm going to love you without any exception. And I'm going to love you without any condition in, in, in your life. Who begins a relationship like that? I mean, who does that, right? Come on, think of us as humans. We don't work that way. We leverage things on our behalf so that it works in our favor. And God said, that's not how I will work. And that's not how I will do things. You know how dating works. Every person in here has dated somebody, right? The only way to get a second date is if you effectually hide the real you at first. Are you with me? You don't on the first date just expose all that you are, right? That's stupid, by the way. If you're doing that, that's why you're not married yet, okay? You just need to know that. You're going to hide it, but as time goes on, well, let me tell you a little bit more about me. Oh. Then the next conversation, well, let me, wait, wait, let me, wait, I'm not done yet. Let me tell me a a little bit more about me. Oh, now I'm getting a fuller picture. God says, I'm going to reverse the whole process with you. I see you right from the beginning. Think about how incredibly liberating that is for you and for me today and all of humanity. God says, I see you. It's liberating. Uh, they, They know you completely, every flaw. They know every crack. They know every piece that's broken, everything that's shattered. God sees it all. He knows the darkness inside of you. He knows the struggle that is inside of you today. And he still loves you and me without condition. That is the story of the cross. Amen? That's the story of Jesus. He loves us without condition. We as humans, we have conditions. But God has no conditions. And he doesn't even say, you know what? We've got to fix that in you before we go any further. That's not how God acts. Until you change that, we can't have a second date. Not with God. God says, this is how I want you exactly like you are. You don't need to become anything to receive everything from God that he has from you. See, we don't become to be loved. It's out of love that you and I become. So when you find your identity and you know who you are, when you, when you don't spend your life trying to be who others want or think you should be, then you turn and you move and you shift in your life to become everything that God's created you to be rather than just getting lost in the crowd because you realize at that moment you are no longer a piece of data. 
But in the midst of the crowd, you and I begin to stand unique. You are seen, you are known, and you are loved by God. Jesus stood in the crowd and they were asking, who is this? They had answers, but Jesus knew the answer they needed, but they could not see it yet because he was not yet the one who had gone to the cross for them to liberate them yet from their sorrow, from their loneliness, and from their despair. Not yet. It was yet to come. But if he would have allowed himself to be trapped in that moment, he would have never stepped into the moment that changed everything for every single one of us. Don't lose the moments that God has for you. When you, at that moment, when you step into it, you will make your greatest impact for God and his call upon your life. Don't get pulled in by the applause of the crowd, and that's so easy to do. You need to know who you are, but also you need to know the story that you're in. You need to know the story. It's a peculiar part of the story in verse 2. Jesus says to his disciples, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied up with a colt by her. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you like you're stealing my donkey, my colt, say the Lord needs them, and they will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle, riding on a donkey, on a colt, a foal of a donkey. Verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and they placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. It happened exactly as Jesus has said it would happen, right? Because Jesus understood that he was part of a bigger story. See, he knew he was in the story of God, that God was writing and telling throughout history. So he quotes the words of the prophets and says to them, there is a way that God wants this done. There's a story that my father is writing, and Jesus knew I'm in the middle of that story. So I need for you to go find this donkey and this colt that's there, and, and when someone questions you, just tell them the Lord needs them, and, and then that person will give them to you. Why? Because that person knows they're in a bigger story, that they're in the story of God as well. I hope you can see this inside of this passage of Scripture because it's so powerful. There are people around you in your life. God will surround you with the, the unexpected because there are people who are in the story of God. And when you are in the story of God, they show up in your life just when you need them. By the way, you show up in their life just when they need you. But I wonder, what story are you in today? What story are you in? What is that for you today? Where, where are you at as you look at the story and you place yourself inside of this as a figure in the story and you look into it? I wonder what story you're in. And if you don't know what story you're in, what happens is you're going to end up in someone else's story. Are you hearing me today, church? Say yes. If, if you don't know what story you're in, you're going to end up in somebody else's story. And there's a lot of people in this room You've ended up in somebody else's story rather than the story that God created you to be in. And, it, and if you get co-opted into someone else's story and you become an auxiliary character, you're, you're going to disappear at the end of the second act. You're going to be character number seven, victim number three. Because whenever you're in someone else's story, you become the victim of their intentions rather than the character 
of your story that God has given to you. When you're in the story of God, you realize you're in something bigger than yourself. Your life becomes so profound that you begin to realize that your story is connected to a story that will absolutely transcend history. Jesus is walking in Jerusalem. He's there, and, and they think, these disciples, well, this is an isolated moment in history. Have you ever felt that way? Today, there are people that are here in the sound of my voice that you just think that you're in an isolated moment in your life, and you're like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. It can't even be connected to what God's created me to be. And we think that it's so irrelevant, but I want you to know that it's not. Moments where you think that you are not connected to a bigger story, when in reality, you are not connected to a bigger story. God is writing a big story, and you are always in it. Why does Jesus tell the story this way? Why does he bring it out this way? Why, why does he insist on riding in Jerusalem on a donkey and a colt? Why? We've asked this question many times. Why would you march into Jerusalem in this moment? It's, it's being remembered as the triumphal entry on a donkey. And the disciples should have, I think at this point, probably given their recommendations. Wouldn't you? You're trying to look out for your best leader here, right? You should not come in on a donkey, Jesus. Jesus, this is your moment. This is your moment to shine. You're going to march in on that? No, you need to come in as strength and power. It's dangerous in Jerusalem. They want to kill you here. There are no epic teams named the donkeys. Right? The stallions, yes. Right in on that, Jesus. We, we need to show them the greatest force. We need to show them the greatest power. Have you ever known somebody with a God complex? Don't raise your hand or point to anybody at this moment. Or have you ever been described as one? It's usually associated with a sociopath. It's a sociopath with a God complex. No, you're not a sociopath. You're a narcissist with a God complex. God complex means you just, you know, you, when you think, well, they just think too highly of themselves. When you're you're not God. That more powerful in life, more important. Yes, my self-importance. It's really, if you could look at it this way, it's a man complex. We're the ones who struggle with God. It's a God complex because we misunderstand God. A God complex is this, is when a CEO is sweeping the floor or the owner of a company is cleaning toilets and trying to end poverty. That's a God complex, if you want to. I get tired of us attributing God our own darkness and stealing from God his own light. Are you with me? Jesus knew the story that he was in. He was in the story of God. So it was a story of compassion and gentleness, full of humility and stories of servanthood. He always knew the story of God was a story of a donkey and colt God doesn't need to make himself any bigger than that because God is already big enough. Amen? He knew who he was in that moment. He knew what he was called to do. He's big enough to tie a towel around his waist and wash his disciples' feet. He's big enough to enter Jerusalem with humility. He's big enough to give his life for you and for me. He's big enough 
You and I may never say thank you for what he's done. He's big enough to set us free. He's big enough for us to come out of captivity. He's big enough today to take on your violence and my violence and to take on your anger and your bitterness to love us still because God is always big enough. The story of God is a story of serving. Listen, if you're not going to get lost in the crowd, you're going to know who you are. You need to know the story that you're in. I don't know about you. Do you ever get excited when the FBI files are going to be released to the public? Do you ever, something inside of you goes, I got, oh man, I can't wait to see this. It's going to be amazing. I mean, right? Like, man, waiting for the JFK files. Here it comes, right? Right? No. And I'm not saying they are conspiracies. They're not theories. So, but I get disappointed because, why? They're redacted. That's the fancy word meaning blacked out. They're hard to read. They don't give you the whole story. They can't. They redact it out. It's classified. There are some of you, you're wondering why your story isn't bigger than it is. It's because you are living a redacted life. And when you step out of this place, the story of God in your life cannot be read by anyone. It's not that the story isn't there. It's just that you don't let anyone see it. You're, being, you're afraid of being pushed out of the crowd because the acceptance of the crowd matters more to you than telling the story that you're in and that God is writing within you. It's time to get rid of the redacted life and uncover the story that is hidden within you. There are people around us that are trying to make sense of God right now. There are people in your life today that are trying to make sense of God. But you are the only story they will ever read. You are the only language they speak. If they cannot read the story of God in you, they conclude there is no story for anyone. This culminating moment, verse 8 comes, very large crowds spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road and the crowds that went ahead of them. And those that followed shouted, Hosanna! To the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. I love this declaration because it's true about Jesus. Jesus is worthy of everything that they are absolutely saying at this moment. What is so profound in this moment is that they're making a declaration of worship, but they actually don't understand what they're fully talking about here. That they come... They're, they're worshiping, but they really don't understand who they're worshiping, really. They were happy and satisfied with Jesus being who he was in that moment. If Jesus, at that moment, would have embraced their applause, he would have never become what he needed for us. The only way to not get lost in the crowd is also to know why you're here. Even when you're in the middle of the crowd, you should never conform to the crowd. I'm going to say that again because there's a lot of conforming happening. 
even when you're in the middle of the crowd, you should never, ever conform to the crowd. Stand in your story. Stand in your purpose. And stand in the intention that God has placed upon your life. Jesus gave up the applause because he was unwilling to give up on us. Don't let the applause throw you off. Oh, that's real easy to do. Many times the applause throws us off and gets us off really the intention of God, what he's created us to be. It gets us off that moment. It gets us distracted like, well, that's more important than anything else right now because I feed into that and I want that and I desire that. But that's not what Jesus did. And when you understand that, that when you will be most celebrated will be when you become what others need you to be rather than what others want, you think, well, you will then surrender if you do that your destiny of greatness. This was Jesus' most famous moment, but it was not his greatest moment. It was coming. If Jesus' story ended here, we would not have hope today. We would not know freedom now. We would not know what it means to be forgiven and accepted, have his grace, and have his unconditional love. If Jesus' story ended there, our story would already be over. But when Jesus stepped through the crowd to the cross, he decided to leave behind the acceptance of the crowds. That's when Jesus became for all of us who we desperately need him to be. He walked away from the cheers of the crowd to the jeers on the cross. No palm branches. There was no applause. Jesus refused to be lost in the crowd and he decided to stand alone. I hope that you take this word with you this week. As you enter into this holy week. In that moment, he would not allow the applause get the best of him because he was in a greater story. He ended in a place where he was absolutely alone on the cross. To shed his blood for you and me. That's what this Holy Week is about. We're going to make it to Easter. But in our heart and our mind this week, I hope we go and we drink this scripture in and we realize what he has done for us is so profound that when we come back next Sunday for Easter Sunday and you and I come and we invite our friends, we invite, people are looking for you to share your story Quit giving people, quit giving the world your redacted life. People are searching for God. The people that are in your life are searching for God today. Do not live a redacted life one minute longer. Amen? Are you hiding in the crowd or are you living for the good of others and your servant man? That we realize the church isn't supposed to be a crowd whether it's you just disappear and you just kind of get in, you settle in and you just, you're just another head in the crowd, you're just a part of the data scheme. See, that's not what the church was created to be. Never. Never. No, no the place that Jesus created inside of this was he said, listen, I'm a part of a greater story and listen, what I'm calling you, 
all of us to is a community of people, a tribe of people that you and I are to become visible and powerful as you live out your story in front of people. None of us have a perfect story. Come on, right? Listen, if you're waiting to show the world your perfect story, it's not going to happen this side of heaven. Amen? That's right, because we're all sinners. Saved by his marvelous grace. My challenge to us today is where you come out of the crowd and you and I will become visible in the story that God has created for us to live. That's the message of the triumphal entry all the way to Good Friday, all the way to next Sunday in Easter all over the world that we get to celebrate our risen Lord. It was amazing last Sunday, last weekend from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday night with our youth service that over 150 people gave their lives to Jesus. I think the Lord deserves praise. Amen. (laughs) Come on. I think he deserves praise. That was an amazing weekend with Reggie Dabbs. Over 150 people. Last Sunday night was so amazing. Our young people that was here in that youth service was just, it was unbelievable. They just flooded out of their seats and came forward. And there was a special touch of God. Listen, that's what we need. That's what we need. Young people, men, women, finding themselves in the story of God and not choosing to live a redacted life any longer. Church, it's time to stand out because you and I have a story. Don't get lost in the crowd. Jesus has created the church to be a movement. It's living. It's moving It's active. It's not stagnant. It's not stationary. It's alive. Come on. Amen. Amen. Father, amen. Father, I thank you for this word, your word today out of Matthew. You and I have called, you've called us to find our identity in you, to know who we are. And the way we do that is following you. And today, making a choice to be a follower of you. I mean, those of you that are here today or sound of my voice, you, you don't know who you are. It's hard to know who you are when you're disconnected from your creator. The only way for any of us to know our purpose, our design, and know who we are, our identity, then is found in Christ. There may be those of you that are here today that say, you know what? I want to accept Christ into my life. I'm here for a reason and a purpose. I don't even understand all of it. But I felt like my life has just lived stationary. I feel like, man, in it, I feel I'm, I'm numb. But listen, your story is a part of a greater story in Christ. Those of you today that in this room that says, you know what? I want to follow Christ, and I want to find him, and I want to serve him, and I want to know him because he loves me unconditionally. If you're here today and that's you, can you lift your hands and say, yes, that's me. Thank you. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Father, I thank you that in this moment right now, people are finding their identity in you, accepting you as Lord and as Savior of their heart and their life. The Lord, today they found themselves in you, God. Thank you that they will know who they are in you, that as we confess our sins, the Word of God tells us you are faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins today. So, so Lord, I thank you that we can know who we are in you, that we can know the story that we are in and know why we are here to live a life, God, that is called out of the crowd. 
Lord, to live a life that's pleasing to you. Lord, so that we would become visible and powerful as we live out our story. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said a big amen and amen. Come on, I want you to give thanks. I saw about six hands. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.